0: Hello, everybody, and welcome to a very special episode of Witch Fix. Well, I suppose that depends on how you look at it, but I think it's special because it's a first. Uh, today I'll be reviewing a book that I didn't actually choose for myself. This is the book that came in the Fairy Loot box for September 2019. Um, I'm recording this at the end of October, so technically I did make good progress on this, but I don't know when this is going to go up so it, it could be 2020 by now in which case happy new year uh but this book came with the fairy loot box which i bought because it was the witches be crazy theme and the book was about witches um so i decided to get it and then review the book for you guys so if you want to see the unboxing uh of that box and all the stuff that came with it i will try and remember to put that as a link in the description below but you can always find it on the youtube channel uh, there is a playlist which is just witch fix videos and you can find all the videos on that playlist unsurprisingly so the book in question is Serpent and Dove by Shelby Mahurin hope I'm saying that right don't know Uh, and apparently it's her debut novel which is very exciting Uh, it's always nice to read something fresh and new from an author that you've never read anything from before because this is their first book and I also feel like I'm getting in on the ground floor there aren't other books that I have to like go back and read to to kind of watch her evolution does anyone else do that I kind of like reading everything that an author has written just to like see where they're coming from, where they're going. It's all very exciting. The edition I got with the fairy loot box was very, very pretty, but I'm not going to be talking about how it looks because this is a review of the book and what is in it and how it reads. So I read this book in three days uh, because I wanted to get through it and not have to take it away with me because hardbacks are difficult to travel with, yo. But that doesn't mean to say I wasn't enjoying it. I think after about the sort of quarter way into it mark i was really into it wanted to keep reading it constantly wanted to pick it up and get back to what was happening in the plot the first quarter was where most of my gripes were and made the book a little bit hard to get into but if you take anything from this review it is that if you get this book if you like the sound of the plot that i'm about to describe to you in a hopefully spoiler free way then get the book and don't give up after the first like couple of chapters because it is kind of hard going to get into but once you are in you are in my friend you will be excited by the plot this is also a more fantasy novel than I usually look at because it contains like fantasy witchcraft and stuff so that's pretty exciting um it wasn't like high fantasy for which I was incredibly grateful because I find like people call it like high fantasy um like the kind of Tolkien stuff and it's all like lords of the blah, blah, blah 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 and there's all this like Legends and stuff, and I find that incredibly taxing. So I was quite happy that that wasn't in this book. So the blurb of it is quite short. It says, well, the back of the book says, a witch and a witch hunter bound in holy matrimony. There was only one way such a story could end: a stake and a match. And then inside the cover, it says, two years ago, Louise LeBlanc fled her own coven and took shelter in the city of caesarine forsaking all magic and living off whatever she could steal. There, witches like Lou are hunted. They are feared, and they are burned. Sworn to the church as a chasseur, Reed Diggory has lived his life by one principle. Thou shalt not suffer a witch to live. His path was never meant to cross with Lou's, but a wicked stunt forces them into an impossible union. Holy matrimony. The war between witches and the church is an ancient one, and Lou's most dangerous enemies bring a fate worse than fire. Unable to ignore her growing feelings, yet powerless to change who she is, a choice must be made. And this is published under the Harper Teen Imprint. So it is like a teen book for young adults, although I think, to be honest, young adult books are something that anyone can enjoy. Now you would have heard from me reading that blurb that there are a number of French words uh, and French phrases sprinkled throughout the book uh, quite heavily in the first couple of chapters and to be honestly quite heavily through the rest of the book. I don't speak French um, so um, I'm going to try my best to pronounce these correctly but I'm going to get a lot of them wrong so strap in if you understand French and find that funny you weirdo. Now the book seems to take place in a place that is not France um, because Cesarine is not a place that actually exists it's obviously like a fantasy world but a lot of the stuff in it is french which was quite confusing to me because you've got all these people speaking french and saying french things and eating croissants and being generally very fucking french and yet it's in this fantasy world and it's it kind of confused me a little bit because i was like okay so it's like a fantasy world but it's also france and i'm confused and at the beginning of the story when obviously you're introducing a lot of these new concepts because there's a lot of world building that needs to happen this is a world that's not incredibly similar to other fantasy worlds which is good but obviously you need to build a lot of that in bring the reader in and kind of explain it to them having all that french stuff in there makes it extra confusing especially for someone like me who has a passing familiarity with some french words thank you gcse french but also doesn't really understand a lot of French and will find those names and phrases hard to remember when asked to call back on them later so that was probably one of my main bugbears with trying to get into the world a lot of the the names of things were hard to remember and kind of confusing to get to grips with it would have been the same if it was like a high fantasy novel where people just make up words by smacking letters on a keyboard and then putting like lord in front of it but um yeah that was a little bit confusing the story is told in sort of alternating chapters although at some points in the book you do get like four chapters in a row of one character's perspective and then one chapter which is quite short of another character's perspective and it alternates between Lou and between Reed the um, chasseur or witch hunter as I am now going to call him because I don't like saying chasseur um, so basically at various points in the novel it can be quite Lou heavy and at other points in the novel she disappears pretty much entirely from the narrative uh, especially towards the end uh, she's unconscious for quite a lot of the time uh, during all the dramatic stuff happening and we get kind of stuck with Reed as our main like protagonist towards the end, and he hasn't really been developed as much as Lou throughout the novel, which felt a little bit disappointing because I kind of got her character and where she was coming from, but his character seemed a little bit underdeveloped and a little bit more one-dimensional than hers, um, which was just my personal feeling. You might feel differently, but all in all, I didn't really relish uh, him as being like the main protagonist towards the end of the book. So the plot. Now, obviously, the blurb tells you a little bit about Lou's backstory that isn't really revealed very early on in the novel in fact if you hadn't actually read that little bit inside the slipcover you wouldn't really know a lot of her backstory until like halfway through the book which is all fine and dandy unfortunately the holy matrimony element within the blurb that doesn't come into a play until like later on in the book like a third of the way in uh, which is kind of one of my pet peeves if something's going to happen in the plot it better happen pretty soon if it was mentioned on the back of the book I didn't mind as much with this one because obviously there was that world building that setup that needed to happen. Um, If it had been taking place in obviously our world where we already know all about it I would have been pretty pissed that it took that long to get going but because so much needed introducing I was kind of willing to give it a pass on that. Now basically there's quite a lot of different threads in play. We learn a little bit about Reed and his job as like a witch hunter. And we learn a bit about Lou and her life on the run, hiding the fact that she's a witch. And we also meet some of her friends, her criminal associates. And we learn that she is seeking a magic ring that, when you put it on, can make you immune to other people using magic on you. And when you put it in your mouth, it makes you invisible, which is pretty damn cool. And in her quest to find that ring and to possess it, to help her stay away from something mysterious in her past that is hunting her down, She crosses paths with the law and ends up in a sort of compromising situation in front of a large number of townspeople with the chasseur, which is misread by a lot of them, causes a big scandal. And the archbishop, who's kind of the main antagonist on the side of the witch hunters, being the guy who's telling them to burn all the witches essentially forces Reed to marry Lou in order to make it okay again, to kind of shift some of the scandal away, because then he wasn't attacking a defenceless woman, he was disciplining his wife, which is completely allowed. Um, not wild about that as a plot point, but you know, it makes sense I guess in in the um, world of the book. And from the start of their marriage, um, they don't really get on, they're very against each other Lou has to move into the Chasseur Tower which is where all the witch hunters live so obviously not a great place to go if you're a witch and there's just generally a lot of moments where you think Lou is going to be discovered uh, moments where you can kind of feel how desperate she is to be protected from something in her past and that all slowly comes out as they get to know each other a bit more and then obviously we have a climactic battle at the end a little bit about the magic witch lore in the book. Uh, we are introduced to two different types of witches. Again, quite slowly, like at the start of the book, and I'll read these sections uh, in a moment for you. It's not really clear um, what these witches are or why they're saying the things that they're saying, but it, it does get explained later on. There are Dame's Blanche and Dame's Rouge. Uh, and basically, Lou is a Dame's Blanche, and her magic works differently to the Rouge's. Uh, they use blood magic. And like her friend Coco does, uh, basically you mix your blood with various magical ingredients to create spells and effects. And shedding blood means that you can use your powers that comes from inside of you. Now, that to me was quite interesting. It kind of worked into a lot of other kinds of magic, like blood magic from the Dragon Age series. So I understood that quite off the bat it didn't really require a huge amount of explanation. Lou's magic is a little bit more different and to be honest I wasn't wild about the mechanics of it. Essentially dames blanches uh, can see golden threads of fate or whatever connecting different things and by affecting some threads you can affect different people in different ways but it always has to be equal and traded off. For example when she's in a fight with a criminal she decides that she can use magic to fling some dust up in the air to blind him but the result of that will be she too will lose her vision. And then another point, to break a lock, she has to tie the lock to her finger with one of these gold threads and then break her finger. Now, this magic seems quite limited, uh, especially for your protagonist of what I assume is going to be a series because there are various threads at the end of this book which are left undealt with. Like, it's wrapped up in a neat conclusion, but there are still some trailing threads that can lead us into sequel land. That seems a little bit limiting for your protagonist, especially because although she does end up going up against quite a number of Dames Blanches in different fight scenes. They seem to be able to use their power without this trade-off, which is really weird. Uh, I assume they are doing this trade-off the same way she is, but it seems to make her a lot more ineffectual than they are. And I guess this is kind of explained by the fact that when she was 16, so like two years before the events of the book, she ran away and hasn't used her magic in two years. Whereas obviously these people have been using their magic for those two years, but... Two years isn't a long time, and she's had sixteen years to learn how to do her magic and has had a sort of training montage in the book where she starts working on her magic and trying to like refresh herself on how it works. So I feel like the the amount that she is below everybody else in terms of what she is able to do effectively is quite low. For the most part in fights and things, she tends to rely on actually just physically fighting like a person instead of like a witch um whereas other witches they seem to be able to do a lot more impressive stuff without a necessary trade-off being seen in the book nevertheless it is quite a cool idea and although not i guess entirely 100% original because i think there have been other things about like this kind of sympathetic magic use before in other books um But I think it's fresh and interesting enough that it works quite well in this one. Now, the book itself doesn't borrow a huge amount of stuff from modern paganism or Wicca or any of that stuff. But there were a few occasions where there were some slight inklings that some of that stuff had made its way into the book. So I'm going to read to you from page 38, 39. And this is Reed recounting uh, his fight against a witch to the archbishop, who's kind of like his father figure, his... Palpatine, if you will. Forgive me, sir, but I've never seen such magic before. The witch. It was a hag, but it changed. I stared down at my fists again, determined to get the words out. It changed into a beautiful woman. I took a deep breath and looked up, jaw clenched. A beautiful woman with child. His lip curled. The mother. Sir? He rose to his feet, clasping his hands behind him, and began to pace. Have you forgotten the sacrilegious teachings of the witches, Reed? I shook my head curtly, ears burning, and remembered the stern deacons of my childhood, the sparse classrooms by the sanctuary, the faded Bible in my hands. Witches do not worship our Lord and Saviour, nor do they acknowledge the Holy Trinity of Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. They glorify another trinity, an idolatrous trinity, the Triple Goddess. Even if I hadn't grown up in the church, every chasseur learned the witch's evil ideology before taking his vows. Maiden, mother, and crone, I murmured. He nodded approvingly, and warm satisfaction spread through me an embodiment of femininity in the cycle of birth, life, and death, among other things. "'Tis blasphemous, of course,' he scoffed and shook his head, as if God could be a woman. I frowned, avoiding his eyes. "'Of course, sir.' "'The witches believe their queen, La Dame de Sorcerre, has been blessed by the goddess. "'They believe she, it, can shift into the forms of the Trinity at will.' He paused, mouth tightening, as he looked at me. "'Today I believe you encountered La Dame de Sorcerre herself.' "'I gaped at him. "'Morgan Leblanc?' He nodded curtly. The very same. So you can see there that there's some inklings of some Wiccan slash pagan principles woven lightly into the story. And when we do meet the larger group of Dames de Blanc later, they do act kind of pagan in a sense. They do a lot of blessed being. There's a lot of flower crowns, feasting, festivals, that kind of thing. But aside from that, the world is pretty much wholly created in a a different way, separate to what I would think of as like real life witches. The idea of this dame de sorceres, like the queen of the white witches, I guess, um, is integral to the book. And you may have noticed that her last name is very much Lou's last name. So obviously that comes into play. Uh, That's quite early on in the book like page 38. So I feel like that's not a spoiler. Um, And you do find out a little bit more about that as the book goes on. The central plot uh, elements and like lou's secret and all that stuff works in does concern the royal family of the region but they are quite noticeably absent from the book um they're not encountered a huge amount i think only in one scene uh throughout the book until the end uh they go to this party that's being thrown in reed's honor and obviously lou has to go because she's his wife and she meets a prince of the royal family And uh, I think later on um, they do sort of see the king or encounter him briefly. But then in like the last sort of quarter of the book, that prince does become one of our like ragtag group of freedom fighters, if you will. Um, If you imagine like the group in Harry Potter, so you've got Ron, Harry and Hermione, but then you've also got, you know, Neville and Luna. And this guy definitely feels kind of like a luna a character who's been introduced and then becomes sort of integral to the action as the book goes on but i feel like we didn't really get to know him that much before that happened um or what his motivations were or even how he felt about witches because he was quite blasé about the use of magic and having sex with witches but when he heard that his father might have lain with one and indeed had children with one he, he thought that that was quite sickening so it would have been quite interesting to get to know his character a little bit more and I do hope he will be included in further books down the line just because he represents an interesting kind of midpoint between just the witches and the witch hunters. The story itself does take quite a number of twists and turns most of them are quite predictable um, I'm not saying like that's a bad thing I'm just saying that if you notice the certain facts that are being dropped throughout the book, it is quite easy to work out a number of possibilities, one of which will be correct. For example, at one point we're told that, because obviously all the witches are women, they are in fact capable of having sons, but their sons have no magic, and are therefore just abandoned or adopted or just given away, they're not kept as part of the coven. So from that point on, you know that someone or more than one person in the book is either going to have fathered a child with a witch, Or is going to be the child of a witch. Um, And then there's only a few options in terms of characters as to who the mother and child could actually be. Or who the father could actually be. So it is kind of easy to work some of those things out before they are revealed in the plot. And most of those reveals are treated as if they are like a dramatic thing happening in the plot. So if you've already kind of gotten there by yourself, it is a little bit of a damp squib. But that's not to say it doesn't feel very satisfying to be proved correct and there are a number of smaller surprises that I didn't see coming so there's definitely still a reason to read the book. I definitely wanted to find out what happened at the end and then what happened at the end was kind of not entirely satisfying to me but definitely satisfying enough that I rated the book highly and felt like in reaching the end I had reached a satisfying conclusion. I'm trying not to give away any spoilers so I won't discuss the actual ending and various things that occur in the plot at that point now i want to read you a little bit from the beginning of the book around page six um, this is when coco and lou um, have gone to a brothel and they're going there to spy on a lady who is was trying to purchase the magic ring that lou wants from a nobleman who trades in magic artifacts on the black market um, and they're discussing random things with the madam of the brothel called babette and kind of dropping hints about the magical world we're in although these hints don't really make a lot of sense and i ended up reading one paragraph in particular over and over again because i was trying to work out what the hell it meant so i will read to you from page six good morning babette chuckling i popped a foot on the table and leaned back on my chair's hind legs you know it's uncanny the way you always appear within seconds of our money can you smell it i turned to coco whose lips twitched in an effort not to grin it's like she can smell it "'Bonjour, Louise.' Babette kissed my cheek before leaning towards Coco and lowering her voice. "'Cosette, you look ravishing as usual.' "'Coco rolled her eyes. "'You're late.' "'My apologies.' Babette inclined her head with a saccharine smile. "'But I did not recognise you. "'I will never understand why such beautiful women insist on masquerading as men. "'Unaccompanied women attract too much attention, you know that.' "'I drummed my fingers against the tabletop with practised ease, forcing a grin. "'Any one of us could be a witch.' "'Bah!' "'She winked conspiratorially.' Only a fool would mistake two as charming as you for such wretched, violent creatures. Of course, I nodded, tugging my hat even lower. While Cocos and Babette's scars revealed their true natures, Dame Blanche could move through society virtually undetected. The russet-skinned woman on top of Tremblay could be one, or the honey-haired courtesan who just disappeared up the stairs. But the flames come first with the church, question second. It's a dangerous time to be female.' So the the idea that their scars mark them out as being different and being witches is something that caused me to stumble a little bit. Also the fact that they've just kind of tossed in "dame Blanche as a thing without really explaining what that means. So I knew enough French to be like okay so that means like white lady or white woman which kind of made me feel like Babette and Cosette were maybe black. I don't know why it just kind of stuck in my head. Also I guess because Coco is the name of like quite a lot of african-american drag queens so that kind of stuck in my head a little bit which was weird and because it's not explained until much later on I just read that paragraph over and over again and then went back a couple of pages like am I meant to know what this means or is it going to be explained later and my mind kind of got stuck on it and stopped me from enjoying that whole like first chapter because I was trying to cling on to the names of all the different people being introduced because you've got Coco and Lou who are kind of main characters but you've also got Babette you've got Tremblay who is um, the guy who is trading in the ring you've got the lady who wants to buy the ring you're introduced to two other crooks that they know Uh, and there's just a lot of people in that scene Uh, so I'm trying to grab on to all these names and all these terms they're using and all these ideas and it was just kind of a struggle of a first chapter whereas I felt from the second chapter onwards it was a lot more smooth uh, and I kind of wish the first chapter hadn't really been there and it just started with the heist to get the ring from this guy's house Another thing that confused me was just the fact that they talk about how the scars give away that they're damn rouges. Um, Because obviously they have to cut themselves quite a lot to use their blood in magic. So obviously they are covered in scars. Um, But also Lou is described as having a big scar on her neck. And I was confused as to how that was different from them having a multitude of scars until it was explained later that she only has that one scar for a specific reason. Whereas they have more scars. And then later on in the book, like towards the end, uh, so it's really only occurring to me now, even Reed, who's like captain of the chasseurs or witch hunters or whatever, he doesn't seem to know what a Dame Rouge is or how they are different from Dame Blanche's. So it doesn't really seem to me like they would notice that you were a witch because you were covered in scars. So that confused me. Just a number of like confusing little niggly things like that um and basically until everything is revealed until these terms are defined later it is a little bit confusing and that's why i said the first quarter of the book was kind of difficult for me to get through because i wanted to know what was going on but i was also getting frustrated that i wasn't really being told anything except these phrases and things just kept being like dumped in my lap without being properly explained and i think that's mainly because for the first quarter of the book the witches associate with witches and the witch hunters associate with witch hunters so you don't get a lot of that explaining of terms things because obviously all the witches know that already and all the witch hunters know that already so they don't have to explain it to each other in exposition something which i hope will be explored in other books is kind of the nature of of evil because the witches believe that the witch hunters are evil and the witch hunters believe the witches are evil and Obviously, they believe that because they keep attacking each other, so they're just enemies. My issue with that is that of the chasseurs we meet, they're all kind of good characters. Reed, although incredibly devout in his belief that all witches deserve to be killed, to the extent that he refers to them as it's and not as she. Even he, obviously, by the end of the book, and I don't really think this is a spoiler. Is kind of coming around on the fact that not all witches are evil because he does very much love his new wife because this is a romance um and also ansel who he's, who is like a trainecer he 's shown to be pretty witch positive, even the archbishop um there 's some stuff in the plot, so you kind of think like oh okay he 's not really such a bad guy. however, all of the witches in the book do kind of come across as evil. Um, there's maybe one or two who are helpful to the protagonist who or who do seem sympathetic in their motives but for the majority of the book you just see them as attacking people and we do spend quite a lot of time in an infirmary where people who have been magically afflicted go and there are horrible things wrong with them that cannot be cured because they've been inflicted by magic like really awful horrible things So just to read you a little bit of those horrible things from page 161, this takes place in the infirmary where Coco and Lou are looking for a place to have a private conversation. She opened a door at random and pushed me through. At the sound of our entrance, a man's head twisted towards us and kept twisting. We watched in horror, frozen, as he crept from the bed on inverted limbs, his joints bending and popping from their sockets unnaturally. An animalistic gleam lit his eyes and he hissed, scuttling towards us like a spider. What in the... Out! 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 Coco shoved me from the room and slammed the door shut. The man's body thudded against it and he let out a strange wail. Then they opened another door to try and go into a different room. I peeked over her shoulder and saw a woman reading quietly. When she looked up at us, I jerked back, lifting a fist to my mouth. Her skin moved like thousands of tiny insects crawled just beneath the surface. No. Shaking my head, I backed away quickly. I can't do bugs. The woman held up a pleading hand. Stay, please. A swarm of locusts burst from her open mouth, choking her, and tears of blood streamed down her cheeks. So you can see from that that the witches are inflicting these horrible torments on people, and yes, the witch hunters are burning witches at the stake. But it's not exactly the same, because the witches are inflicting these on innocent people outside the conflict, whereas witch hunters are burning witches who they manage to find. So they already kind of know that maybe the witches are up to something evil just because of what the witches have been doing to normal people. So I don't feel like it's displayed quite evenly. And although Lou is seen as like a good character and the protagonist, she does do a lot of things to protect herself, uh, which I can understand because it's in self defense, but she doesn't obviously curse anyone or anything like that. So it'd be nice to see just in general what witches are like when they're not either Trying to destroy the witch hunters uh, as part of like a grand evil plan or just renouncing their witchcraft altogether to try and be normal and good. In terms of stuff to like about the book that isn't just the main plot, I did like how there's a lot of humour in it, Uh, particularly from Lou, she's quite a sass mouth, Uh, and her interactions with Reed can be quite funny and snarky and sarcastic, which I really liked. I also like Coco as a character, she was probably uh, my favourite side character, just because she brought this kind of sense of... Power and authority to any situation that she was in, because obviously she is a woman in full control of her magical gifts, which is quite nice because other than that, we only have Lou who's a little bit rusty now, aside from that humor and interactions, there's also the romance going on between Lou and Reed, and I have to say I didn't find it particularly convincing. I didn't feel like there was a huge amount of chemistry there. um it might just be because I've read very similar love stories kind of a lot because they're kind of this like straight teen romance love story and I've kind of seen it before even the kind of love story where it's like oh but they're from two different worlds it's like yes but that there are many films about that there are many different iterations of this in different books and this one just felt kind of the same I kind of bought that they were in love and that that motivated them towards the end of the book so I don't really have a problem with it being convincing I just kind of felt like the way it built up to that point was a little bit quick and they hadn't necessarily really meshed together in my mind as being people who were in love. This may have been because I didn't really see Reed much as a full character. We don't really find a huge amount about him um, except you know how he came to be a chasseur and the fact that he views the archbishop as like a father figure and he has like one friend within the guards who is jealous of him that's basically all we find out about his character whereas Lou is obviously a lot more fully fleshed out and we do spend a lot more time with her throughout the book seeing what her life is like and how she interacts with different people for different reasons him we don't really see as much of before Lou comes into his life and I felt like because of that he was kind of underdeveloped Um, which may have affected how I felt about the romance. But in general, I think it's, you know, a pretty generally quite successful romance story in the book. And although I didn't particularly buy it or have much interest in it, that's obviously not going to be the case for everybody. So that's a very personal thing on my part and not something that, I would not recommend the book because of because i do recommend this book i did really like it the plot's quite good it takes some twists and turns that i didn't see coming or twists and turns that i saw coming but was still interested in seeing play out the world is pretty interesting uh, although it takes a while to get into and have it fully explained the characters are in general quite well fleshed out and lou in particular is nice to spend time with because she's got a lot going on and kind of a sassy attitude which i appreciated read not so much. His chapters were still kind of interesting because they take us into the world of witch hunters and into the ideology behind that but from a personal perspective he didn't really have a lot going on for me in terms of his character. The book is also like a really good length, uh, over 400 pages, a lot going on in there and you get to go to lots of different locations within the world and see how it works and how it functions which is always a high point of novels like this when you're being introduced to this new magical world and you get to see different aspects of it and how it works and then at the end we are teased that we might be going to the coven of blood witches so i'm quite interested in that and if there is a sequel in the works coming out then i will probably get that to review because i'm just interested in spending more time with these characters seeing more of their world uh, and sort of getting to the bottom of some of the mysteries uh, that lie in this strange little french fantasy peninsula so if you're looking for a book a little bit fantasy witchcraft, but not too heavily fantasy. Definitely get this. Weirdly, if you're a fan of the dishonored series, which um, I played a while ago uh, and reviewed for this podcast, it's quite similar to that in the sense of it being kind of a historic but semi-fantasy world in which witches are hunted and persecuted by a military-esque church. Um, so those elements, if you like those in your fantasy games/slash books definitely present in this and uh, I would go into that expecting to be wowed because there's quite a lot of good writing in here and I really enjoyed quite a large section of the book. I hope you've enjoyed this episode, if you have don't forget that you can subscribe on YouTube as well to be kept up to date with different videos, unboxings and things and also you can buy my books in the links in the description box for this episode it does a great job of supporting me in making the podcast and they are only 99p so go and get those it's basically like donating to patreon which i do also have but you get a book which is really exciting and in the meantime i'll see you in the next one bye